0: That the gospel has power, whether we're in the UK, whether we're in Poland, in Warsaw, or in Malmo, Sweden, or in the heart of Africa, or Central Asia, or South America, the gospel is the gospel. The good news of Jesus is good news wherever. Different cultures, different peoples receive it differently. But ultimately, it is the same. Because it's in the word of God. And that's what we're about. It's the same. You know, in a way, the war in Ukraine has taken the West, us, by surprise. Now, now, I know it's not a surprise any longer because we've now been living with it for several months. But one of the comments that you hear again and again made this side of Europe is how can a war happen in the 21st century? I've heard that several times, maybe you have. How can there possibly be a war in Europe in the 21st century? And it's almost as if people have thought, well, we in the West, in Western Europe, have grown up beyond wars. That was good, wasn't it? (laughs) it's almost as if we've grown up and therefore we shouldn't be capable or even want wars do you know in in the 20th century similar sort of stage there was a war that everybody said would end wars and they thought they were grown up then And the hundred years since has shown us that we haven't. We haven't. But actually, as Christians, we should know this. We really should. Because what hasn't changed is the heart of people, of men and women. They're still there, that tendency. Well, let's call it by what the Bible calls it, there's still sin. There's still a rebellion against God. There's still selfishness, greed, all, all sorts of stuff that motivates people. And we shouldn't be surprised that sometimes that spills over into really violent conflict one of the interesting things being with grandsons uh, uh, this past week, uh, our, our older grandson is 19. Amazing that he wanted to come away with grandma and granddad, but he did. And it was great to have him along. And uh, he said, one of the things he said in one of his deep and meaningful conversations, because he has deep and meaningful conversations, so we join in deep and meaningful conversations. One of the things that he said was, you know, my generation aren't interested in politics. We think all politicians are liars. Well, hold that. <laughs> you may or may not agree. I, I, but he said, yeah, we're interested in other things. And we said, well, but it's always been the same, really, with young people. Hey, when, when we were young, when, it, what was it? It was nuclear disarmament ban the bomb get rid of it you know and young people and others were, were chanting you know this has got to stop this has got to change we've got to get rid of, of the A-bomb the, the hydrogen bomb we've got to get rid of nuclear uh, submarines etc etc and young people still have causes don't they that they fight fight for it's climate change now isn't it Greta whatever her name is you know, tells us all what to believe and do But you see, we've learned, maybe because we're older and we watch a younger generation and we say, yeah, go for it, believe it. But what does none of that do? It doesn't change the hearts of people deep down. The only thing, I'm going to put it to you this morning, the only thing that can change the hearts of people is the good news of Jesus. The gospel. Because that's what gospel is. Have a look at 2 Corinthians. And chapter Hang on. Chapter 5. Right, here we are. Let's pick it up. I don't want to read too much here Uh, we've got other things to look at but 2 Corinthians 5 we'll pick it up in verse 14 which is middle of a paragraph Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ uh, in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. That is one of the most radical verses in the New Testament, in the writings of Paul, wherever. Look what Paul is saying. That when you come to Christ, a radical change happens in the life of a person. The old goes and the new comes. Now, before we go any further, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, so immediately we've cut through all national, cultural, physical, emotional, racial, ethnic, ethnical boundaries, differences. It doesn't matter whether you're old or young. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female whether you're from Europe, Asia, Africa, Americas, wherever. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That is radical. No political party can promise that. No protest movement can promise that. No other religion, and I use that word advisedly, can promise that. that is the good news that's the good news that if you are in Christ something radical has changed and there's a difference Nigel referred to us as a motley group of people meeting together why can we do that because as, as those who are in Christ that change has happened That's happened. But I'm saying things here and we haven't explained what we mean really. I've just said we're new creations. So there are questions that we can ask about this and I don't know how far I'm going to go this morning because guess what, I'm down to preach next week. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, And that's official. (laughs) So I don't know how far I'm, I'm going. I may pick this up again, but there are questions that we can ask about this and the questions are simple the answers hmm, not so much so if what do we mean first question what is the new creation simple question we've said that it's there what is the new creation well, we become a new creation. Something completely radical has happened. But what does Paul mean by this? Now, um, we can often criticise someone if they're looking in two directions. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking this way and I'm looking this way. It probably means that I can't make up my mind. Please do not understand what I'm going to say in that way. But I believe... Paul, when he wrote this, was looking in two directions. He was first of all looking to the past. And I'll explain what I mean in a minute. He was first of all looking to the past. And then, at the same time, but without contradicting himself, he was looking to the future. And that's what a new creation how are we going to explain the new creation? So he's looking to the past, and he's looking to the future. Now, what past was he looking at? He said, You're a new creation. I believe Paul was looking right the way back, 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 back to Genesis chapter one. And if you've got your Bible, you can turn with this. The Bible, uh, for me, the Bible has this most magnificent, magnificent opening. It's wonderful. I, I, I just think this is absolutely glorious. And this is the way the Bible starts. Listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now before we go any further, we we have friends, we have friends, Uh, Even, you know, I, I stand with Nigel on this. We have friends. Um, we have friends who look at this chapter and their main concern is, are you a young earth creationist? Are you an old earth creationist? Are you with me? No, you're not, probably. Do, are you an, a sort of a, a God-centered evolutionary? What are you? So let me say, I don't care what you are. We all understand it's different. I think if, if we think that the main problem here, or the main message here is about how God created, I believe we're missing the point. There's a lot more here than that. Now that's important. Please hear me. I'm not decrying it and we need to come to a mind on it but that's not my my purpose here it's important but it's not everything what is god saying here paul reaches back right back to when the earth was formless and empty we're outside of time here I don't understand it but he's reaching back and he's saying remember there was that when everything was dark and there was no shape no form and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Water, chaos. That's what that's what in the Bible water is. Caesar, chaos. There was a time when everything was chaotic. But the Spirit of God was there. Do you know that reminds me a little bit, if you're praying for someone and they haven't come to Jesus yet but you know that the spirit is at work then you think it's like the spirit is hovering over the chaos in a person's life you get what I mean? you know, they haven't got it together They're still in darkness. They still don't know Jesus. They don't know the way to God through, through Jesus. And yet, the Spirit is there at work. If that's the position of some of your family and friends, keep praying. Keep witnessing. However you do it. Because what happens? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and he called the light, the darkness he called Night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. There, in the chaos, the Spirit is hovering. And it's almost that there's an anticipation here. God speaks. And darkness gives way to light and chaos gives way to order and night gives way to day why? because God speaks and we know don't we we know from the New Testament that the word that God spoke and I'm saying stuff that I don't fully understand here neither will you. But that the Word spoken was no less than the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the Son of God. God the Son. That Word, so Even in Genesis, in the light of the New Testament, we have the Trinity here. Father speaks through the Son and the Spirit cooperates. What an amazing thing. I don't understand it all, but it's fabulous. And we haven't got past verse, whatever it is. Verse 3? No, verse 5, sorry, verse 5 the first five verses of the Bible. But isn't that like what happens to people as well? You're praying for your family member, you're praying for your friend, you're witnessing, you're trusting God, you can see the Spirit at work and over all the chaos and then suddenly, suddenly God speaks. That's what you want, isn't it? God to speak into that person's life. God to speak into that situation. And for darkness to be replaced by light. And for chaos to be replaced by order. That's what happens when God speaks. So in that sense, we've not finished yet, but Paul has looked back. And he's drawing on this idea of creation from the beginning of the scriptures, from Genesis. Now, there's more. That only deals with day one in the, in the creation account. There's much more to happen. And so, they're the, the other six days. And when someone is, has the word of God speaking to them and they make that commitment, that's only the beginning. A lot more's got to happen. But that's the start. So God, so Paul looks backward at that first creation. But then he looks forward and he picks up something else from the Old Testament which then continues in the New. He picks up something that we can read in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter f- 65 and verse 17. Listen to this. Paul picks up an Old Testament hope here. He's looked backwards, now he's looking forward. And this is the hope. God says, behold, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, etc., and that theme is, is taken up in the New Testament. Peter in his second letter says we wait for a new heaven and a new earth and then we get to the book of Revelation and what do we see? A new heaven and a new earth, a whole new dimension. Paul has picked up here this longing for God to do something new. A new creation. He's picked up from the fact that he's going to, to make a new nation out of all nations. The promise to Abraham that all nations will be blessed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. What a fantastic promise. Paul is looking forward and saying, we are longing for that. And what happens when the new heaven and the new earth comes into being? The old is gone. The new has come. Precisely what he says. What is Paul saying here then? He's saying if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has trusted Jesus, if anyone is united in deep fellowship with Jesus, this is what happens. The future, new heavens and earth, has come into the present, yes, to get rid of the past. That's what happens. Isn't that fantastic? That's what happened to you when you became a Christian. You may not have understood it then. I didn't. But what an amazing thing that the future comes to the present to deal with the past. And wherever you are now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're already living part of that new creation. The Bible puts it in in different sorts of ways. It's It's the kingdom now and not yet. That's another way of putting it. But isn't that amazing? And isn't that a challenge? And the challenge is this. I am a new creation. No more condemnation. I can rejoice in God. I am, but I'm becoming. All this can be said about me, but now I've got to live in it. God has dealt with the chaos and the disorder, the failure, the, the prejudice, and all the all the rest of that gets labelled sin, which is right. God has dealt with it. And yet in my life I'm conscious there are things that still need to be dealt with. Isn't that right? Don't we say often that we're a work in progress? I hope we are. I hope the progress hasn't stopped. You know? I can live in health but I still have to deal with sickness. I can live absolutely free but I know I'm still in bondage to thoughts and habits and all sorts of stuff. I am a new creation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But there's still old bits. A lot of the old is still there. There are big Bible words for this sanctification, holiness, and all that. Don't worry about that. It's, It's the reality. And the question, the challenge is where are we, where are you at this point in the now? And not yet. And you might say, well, I know God has dealt with this, but I can't get rid of that. I know I should enjoy the peace of God that passes all human understanding, but I've still got these fears. I know that I I have health and freedom in Jesus but the reality is there's sickness and disability and whatever. And maybe, maybe some of those things won't get totally resolved until we actually get to the new heaven and the new earth. I we're going to know each other, but what we're going to look like well, I don't know. Am I going to be known as a 70-year-old or a 50-year-old or a 30-year-old, or 20, or whatever? I don't know. It's as different as the seed is to the flower. That's what Paul says. But at the moment, we're in that tension of the now. But this is coming. And you know, every, every person of every nation, of every culture, needs that change. I don't care whether, you're, whether we're in a blame culture, a shame culture, a cancel culture, in the culture wars that we have now. Every single individual on Earth needs that change. So, where are we? Where are you? Where am I? A work, yes. In progress, I trust. I think I'm going to stop how about we pray how about we stand and do business to god and if anybody would like prayer afterwards that's absolutely fine i know nigel'll be very up for that as i would or any trusted friend any trusted friend in the fellowship but let's 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 just ask god where where no we don't have to ask god Let's just say before before God, you know where I'm at, Lord. You know where I'm at. I can't hide it from you. You know my strengths, Lord. And you know my weaknesses. Thank you that you still accept me praise you. You know, Lord, where I succeed and it's your strength that helps me do that. But, Lord, you know where I fail. And I do fail, Lord. People may not know it, but I do. And I need your help and strength and forgiveness. Lord you know my hopes you know the optimism I have and what what I'm thinking but you also know my fears why am I afraid of people Why, why do I fear that situation I believe God wants to say to every single person here but especially to some that he knows, he knows where you're at he knows what you face he knows the tensions and the pressures that you face every day of the week he understands the thoughts and feelings and fears deep down within But God says, I still love you. I still accept you. And I want to lead you on. I can help. And I will help. Just put your hand in mine. There is a future. And there is a hope. Father, I pray for this lovely group of people. Lord, I thank you that we're all so different and that you've called us together to be part of the body of Christ in this area. Lord, I thank you that each of us have different strengths and yes, Lord, we confess that we have different weaknesses. We fail you, we forsake you, we we actually sin against you. But Lord, thank you that you're a God who hears and that if we confess, you forgive our sin and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is so good, Lord. Thank you that in you there is life. Thank you that we are a new creation. I am a new creation. There is no more condemnation because you have forgiven. You have set us free. Lord, you have done it and we confess that you are um, worthy of our praise because of it. Lord, thank you for what you've done and praise you for what you're going to do. Lord, our view is optimistic. Why? Because we're with you. And we bless you for that. So thank you, Lord. And thank you for your presence today. Amen.